Okay, we're back. I'm Bodie B. This is Death Tracks. It's Tuesday, February the 18th, 2020. Amazing. If you want to call in with a thought, a comment, something on your heart, uh, something maybe Ru- uh, Reuven uh, spoke about in terms of the death, uh, sudden death of his son and uh, and how that's kind of sh- shifted his life in, let's say, more of a poet, poet a poetic a direction to some degree anyway. And I think I'll play a song just to uh, lead us into this. This is from Ed Sheeran. I took the supermarket flowers from the windowsill Through the day-old tea from the cup Packed up the photo album Matthew had made Memories of a life that's been loved Took the Garrett Wilson cars and stuffed animals Pulled the old ginger beer down the sink Dad always told me don't you cry when you're down But mum there's a tear every time that I blink Pieces, it's tearing me up, but I know a heart that's broke is a heart that's been loved. So I'll sing hallelujah. You were an angel in the shape of my mom. When I fell down, you'd be there holding me up. Spread your wings as you go. And when God takes you back, he'll say hallelujah. I fluffed the pillows, made the bed, stacked the chairs up Folded your nightgowns neatly in a case John said he'd drive then put his hand on my cheek And wiped a tear from the side of my face And I hope that I see the world as you did Cause I know a life with love is a life that's been lived So I'll sing hallelujah You were an angel in the shape of my mom When I fell down you'd be there holding me up Spread your wings as you go Takes you back and say, To see the person I have become Spread your wings and I know That when 
God took you back. He said, Hallelujah, you're home. Maybe you could relate to that. Uh, hallelujah, you're home. Um, here, Bodie B, Death Tracks, KEKU 88.5 FM, streaming live on KEKU.org, on Facebook Live at KEKU 88.5 FM. Actually, I keep forgetting y'all, those of you on Facebook Live, I'll wave to you now. Thanks for being with us. Call us up sometime. Uh, but I'm really happy to uh, be here with Reuven. And um, I wanted to f come back to uh, spiritual practice because and, and I, I think the whole purpose of a spiritual practice is to show up when uh, things fall apart, and that uh, there's something bigger than the, the falling apart that somehow we can stand on, that somehow will carry us through uh, the, the pain and, the, and the whatever's pain and suffering and devastation, uh, et cetera, et cetera, grief. Um, despair, uh, anger, on and on, whatever all of that is, uh, that there's something uh, which I think is what a spiritual practice is pointing to, that there is in fact something bigger than all that that we can stand on. In fact, that's at the core of the teaching of the space between hope and hopeless, is how do, how do we navigate and ride the waves uh, and stay sane and healthy through, through the mist of uh, what, what could be perceived as tragedy. And oftentimes, on, on some level or another, it is tragedy. And we don't want to uh, override that in any way. And that's the dance we do to not override it and, and try to make it into like it's all perfect, kind of. Uh, because um, I remember that book somebody wrote called uh, Don't Sweat the Small Things. They're all, everything's a small thing. And that's, and that's not true in, in the way I see it. Some things are bigger than others. Mm -hmm. And then I would say the death of a son... Uh, especially the death of a son unexpectedly, um, suddenly, um, that's a big thing. That's a really big thing. And I see it in the people that I uh, care for and work with and who approach me, uh, that some things are really bigger than other things. So that's the part I wanted to ask you about to just explore uh, if if that spiritual practice showed up and how did it show up? Yes. So in walking on the, the bike path, each morning, um, one of the mantras, if you will, that I would repeat is, uh, and it's a paraphrase from um, a song by David Zeller, and the the uh, the line is, um, "I see all equally before me always. I see all equally before me always." Many times when I would be saying that, and this was before Jordan passed, it would be in the exhilaration of the beauty of nature and the um, just the condition of my life, my, my marriage, my sons, my friends, uh, the work that I had. And after Jordan died, could I say the same thing? Could I really live that practice through? I see all equally before me always. And I'd say that one of the initial uh, quandaries that I had was I was feeling this incredible spiritual closeness to Jordan right after he passed. And I was wondering, is, is this okay? 
um, it was in conjunction with the flip side, if you will, of feeling the unbearable physical loss. And I would go between those two spaces, but I would say, particularly in the first few days, that the spiritual connection was um, was extremely powerful and palpable. And so that was took a bit for me to feel real about, feel comfortable with. And to this day, uh, both Gail and myself have this strong connection with Jordan, and it shows up in different ways. Um, some magical ways shortly after he passed, uh, winged things would come into our space. Uh, this huge dragonfly showed up in our living room. Um, there were um, um, birds. Um, what's the, the bird that loves the honey? Um, hummingbird. Hummingbird. Thank you, Bodhi. Um, which are very just delicate things and would come right up to us at one point and then dart away, turn back, look at us, and then go off. Um, same thing with butterflies. It seemed that things which are very delicate um, that almost could be influenced by the other side. Um, the other, I don't think the other side can turn a truck around. Maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. But in our experience, that very gentle and subtle um, um, aspect of what we see as our reality was playing to us in a, in a beautiful way. And it, it, it felt like messages. And, you know, Bodhi, whether they were or were not in our reality sense, direct messages, um, the metaphor and the connection was real. I think sometimes we downplay imagination. <clears throat> Excuse me. That, uh, and I point out often on this radio show that it, there's at least two kinds of imagination. There's the one kind of imagination where I say, think of a purple elephant. And most of us can do that fairly easily. And that's one kind of imagination. But there's another kind of imagination that I, I'm pretty, it, it, it looks to me like it's connected to insight and uh, deep, deep, deep seeing which I think is what insight is, and that um, so who so I don't know, and that and that leads us into uh, is that is that real or isn't it real? Well, it's it's real in the sense that we're experiencing that, and there's no and there's no way to say that that's not possible or that's not true in any way, and <clears throat> it sure seems to me that something uh, something survives death. And surely that uh, we could we could stay connected to it. I mean, that's what I think love is about—that it's bigger than death, and the relationship itself survives death. Mm -hmm. But we can't always see that or understand that, especially in the midst of maybe maybe deep grief and tragedy. Yeah. But that seems to be very true to me. That uh, certainly it's true in the in the. Uh, there's a number of people in my life who have died that I still feel very connected to, and feel that there's still the rela a relationship that's happening, uh, even on their side of the story. Even though I don't hear them talking to me, but I feel them, and I and I sense that maybe there's a place that one of the places we go is a place where we pray for the people that are still here down here. Mm. 
And a lot of cultures actually, that's their story, that the, the ancestors are sitting around uh, cracking jokes and telling stories, but they're also keeping an eye on us and praying for us when we need extra help, which is beautiful to feel that, that that's true, you know, to feel pe people who have come before us, who in some way have contributed to us being here. Yeah. Um, that are still kind of looking out for us, and th uh, whether that's true or not, it, it um, it's a good feeling to live by. Mm -hmm. Like Albert Einstein said, it's either all a miracle or none of it's a miracle. And so, what I like about that that is that it's a choice. And so, it looks to me, it, my experience is, it's more fun to live a life where it's all a miracle. Sure, sure. So, th so then, how does that meet up with? The sudden um, death of, of 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 a beloved son, and how and and then how do we carry on? You know, again, what what I was speaking to earlier when you were here in terms of how do we continue to have our, our hearts open wide, right? And again, that that's the deeper spiritual work that it's all impermanent, but there's something that's deeper than the impermanence. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm smiling here because there are several poems which. Um, reflect um the things that you're saying uh one which i'd like to to recite now is called legacy reassigned you asked how we carry on the leaving before by the one who came after that what the future held i can no longer could it be that i am your legacy rather than you the lost mine for you, yourself, my son, had unearthed the crystals of presence, lifted them into the light. They are gleaming through your soft, jeweled eyes, yet emanating from the many. Oh, sorry. Lifting them to the light. They are gleaming through your soft, jeweled eyes, yet emanating from the many who continue in tendering your essence. Now, spirited away to distant nebula, you twinkle and radiate, beaming invitation to work yet to be done, recharging my breath, welling my expression, lifting me, lightening me from the loss. After Jordan passed, a few months later, we started a scholarship in his name called the Jordan Lee Haber Scholarship Fund. And it was specifically for youngins. Um, the requirements were very simple. They were, you had to be between 18 and 30 years old and wanting to do work related to seniors, which is where Jordan was focused. And... Um, we had a, a modest um, amount that we wanted to raise. Of, we said raise $18,000 and then spend it over um, over 10 years. Uh, we ended up raising $50,000 and are nearing the end of that 10 years, another couple to go. And raising the money ended up being the easy part. Uh, giving it away, surprisingly enough, was a difficult task. It took a lot of work. Uh, but that said, I think over uh, 50 young folk have uh, benefited by the scholarship for anything from uh, for books to going to conferences, 
um, to gaining um, uh, a, a special skill. And um, in each one of these, it was a way for Gail and I to keep connected with uh, Jordan's peers and uh, to just see the, the work that he was doing, particularly for a young man. It was kind of unusual. Uh, and um, oh, I don't remember that. Did you tell us how old Jordan was when he died? Uh, Jordan was uh, 26, just, just shy of his 27th birthday. Yeah, yeah. Made an incredible uh, impression in many people's lives. Um, so, uh, so there is, yeah, there is that about legacy. Um, a child leaving a legacy to a parent is a little, little off the beaten track. Um, but um, it certainly, uh, we certainly took up the reins on that one. Well, that's a that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful way to carry it forward to create a scholarship program in in your son's name and to stay connected it keeps us connected too yeah yeah so who are what what, what kind of tell me tell, you don't have to give me names but tell me a story or two about people who've gotten these scholarships sure um let's see um actually there are some some people are in the different parts of the world um there's a a, a nurse uh, a young nursing student in, um, I believe that it was Kenya, who um, wanted to um, uh, further her work with seniors. Uh, she had a program for seniors by bringing, doing house visits and bringing in supplies and spending a little time. And um, so she, this was a special project, and we funded the special project for her um, in that country as in many third world countries a small amount of money can go a very can go a very long way um, there are um, young folk whose uh, careers in uh, in elder care were were helped by uh, by paying for their books uh, and by going to uh, senior living conferences and um, so kind of supported as best we could and how beautiful. That's beautiful. What a great thing. Thank yeah. you. That's You're welcome. A, that's a cool, what a cool response to it all. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like a win, 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 win. It's a win for you guys. It's a win for Jordan. And it's a win for the people that get scholarships. How cool. Yeah. Yeah. How cool. What about your wife and, and you? How did, how did it, how did the dynamic did it work uh, when Jordan died? Um, were you were you both uh, strong and weak at different times where you you could be there for each other? And I'm guessing uh, there were times too where you both both fell apart at the same time. Uh, and that's I, I would guess that's how it'd be in my home. One of the things that I wanted to share was uh, the importance of currency, of staying current. I love current the word currency because it can mean electricity as well as you know, you know, just power and, and also being present. It's and, also, it's also about money, which is energy. Yeah. I kind of left that one out, but that's, that's for sure. And, uh, we were very current with Jordan. Uh, there were not the f feelings of words of love unspoken. Uh, there weren't the feelings of, um, uh, of, of past grievances that had not been, um, resolved, um, was it a perfect relationship? Uh, 
Yes, actually, in the respect that it, it could be bend with the times and and mold to love. Uh, yes, it was it was a wonderful relationship. So, not having that that, that one that particular one, I'll stop. I'll stop there because uh, too many of us have had the experience of. I wish that wasn't the last time I spoke to that person or saw that person. And, and a lot of us have regrets about that very thing. I wish I would have known that was the last time. I wish, you know, I wish we would have ended on a better note uh, with so much love and gratitude rather than uh, whatever else showed up and lingered. And, not, you know, I have, I, have, I have my own experiences around. I wish that wasn't the last time. Um, so we come back to this currency piece and, and how critically important it is uh, in terms of staying current and and if it's true that we don't know uh, when anybody's going to die um, that currency thing isn't about putting it on your bucket list it's about um, looking at it right now and going who who do I need to who do I need to say I love you to or or thank you to or I'm sorry to or please forgive me or I forgive you you know the ho'oponopono you know mm-hmm. uh, because I ha- I personally have witnessed uh, too many people on their dying bed that um, didn't stay current. And, and those people are now calling their son 8,000 miles away to fly over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes the son gets there in time and uh, sometimes the son doesn't get there in time. So this is such a critically important piece that you're speaking to now. We were spared, if you will, um, the complications of grief. Grief is 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 tough enough by itself um and um we were because of the nature of our relationship uh we were able to um stay with jordan and to stay deep in the love um we as i had said before we have a, a very loving community and friends which um gave us a nest we made our, our house into a sanctuary uh, we had candle um, going all the time for for a few months, um, we had friends uh, uh, come over and make breakfast for us, and be in complete silence and not, you know, asking us anything. Really, just letting us to to reconnect um, with the world when we were when we were ready to. Um, there's a poem I hear have have here now called "Touch," which speaks a little bit to this. Uh, to the to the to the physical loss um, touch at this moment the touch of your light eludes me that plane of connection immaterial to my blurred reality in this uncharted territory the path to stay near is unclear as a way of remembering you, I stick myself with the prong of memory, enabling a conjured touch of your sturdy shoulders, your bristly hair. I think I'm going to play a song right there just to kind of um, leave a little space for our conversation. I'm Bodie B. This is Death Tracks. I'm speaking with Reuven... Reuven Liebhaber. I love it that I got that right. Eight oh eight eight seven three three four three five if you'd like to call in with a comment or a question. 
This is very great stuff, very fertile territory. People get ready, there's a train coming. You don't need no baggage, you just get on board. All you need is faith to be Susan. You don't need no ticket, you just thank the Jordan. I didn't, I didn't plan that. <laughs> Faith is the key. Open the doors and go down. There's room for all of the love and honesty. Yeah. Death Tracks right here on Maui, February the 18th, 2020. I'm surprised nobody's called in. This is such fertile territory most everybody can relate to, really. The sudden, unexpected death, the phone call. Say hallelujah. Uh, say hallelujah, but we'll stop there. And um, coming back here with uh, Reuven Liebhaber. Um, I think I'm really starting to enjoy saying that. Um, and I got it right too. So tell them um, what it means, Bodhi. <clears throat> to have love, right? To have love, Lieben love, Haber have. That's right. That's right. That's right. And um, but go on. I want to. I want to continue on with you and your wife and the dynamics of um, working your way through. Yeah. Because clearly, uh, you said 2013. Yes. Uh, that's the kind of thing you carry for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, the only th- by the way i want to break in just to comment because uh, reuven just showed me he's got a photograph a framed sitting on our uh a desk between us right now with the little uh, mala beads uh around it and a beautiful picture of his son jordan so i, th- I thought that was really cool that he he brought that in uh, to have with us today 
Yeah, that, that picture is always with us wherever we go. We travel a fair amount, and uh, Jordan comes Jordan comes with us in that way. To uh, sometimes I'll bring the picture out in a beautiful scene and just turn it around and let him look at the sunset through through my heart and through his eyes of the picture. It helps keep his presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, as I had said, we created a, a sanctuary in our home and gave ourselves plenty of space. Um, we both realized that um, we can't really give advice to others regarding uh, grief other than to um, settle into it and allow it to move itself through. Uh, and and uh, also the... Uh, you've already spoken it out a couple of times how important it was that your community uh, gathered around you and supported uh, and, and and protected you in some way. So in, in a way, that's another example of, of practice. Um, our community is our practice. And the way in which we nurture relationships and nurture love and nurture a way to be with each other that is um, uh, fun and that is also uh, deep and and supportive, all of those things, um, not just to look to it when we're in need, but to serve each other. Um, Gail and I go to the uh, CIMC, the Community Insight Meditation Center in the Boston area, and my my friend and, and teacher, uh, Nancy Barcelo, uh, and I, and uh, uh, another friend, Sam, uh, lead a group there called Lessons from Hospice, and we do it about twice a year. And the main thing there is to work with the, within the community to provide a way in which people can understand more about death and dying and be there for each other in the community setting uh, when, um, when illness strikes or when, when, when death happens. And it does happen in every community. So one, I guess the only, one of the, one of the important things for me to say that I, has been true for me is that uh, I don't subscribe to time heals, but I do subscribe to the fact, or I've, I've experienced the fact that um, with time, the intensity dissipates. Um, we can hold on just, kind of so long until gradually and inexplicably and unexpectedly um, just little things happen in our lives to kind of move us back to the quote-unquote normal existence. It actually took several years for that to happen. But um, I think it's about three years ago now. Um, so Jordan passed in 2013, so seven, so... Um, after maybe about five years after Jordan passed, um, Gail and I have been coming to Maui. Uh, I learned to play ukulele here. And uh, there's a, a, uh, a meetup group right down the street from me where I live in Cambridge uh, that plays, comes together to play ukulele once a week. So I kind of join in. I've shared a few Hawaiian songs with them. But the reason that I bring this up is one day... Uh, we were playing along, and we were singing the song, Singing in the Rain. And then I came to the line of, um, hap, hap, happy again. And it's it struck me that, oh, 
I can be happy again. And it wasn't something that I was like, oh, I've got to get happy again, or people saying to me, get over it, get happy. It just happened in its own time. And I realized in in a very kind of short retrospect, yes, um, a, a sense of, of, of active joy is showing itself in my, my life again. Um, this time on Maui, which is our, our 12th year, the weather has been absolutely phenomenal and we have had just such a wonderful time um, being in nature watching sunsets being with our dear friends um, and uh, there's there is a, a strong sense of of joy that we are living now the nature sure sure is a huge healer for so many of us yes so many of us you reminded me of i have a, a dear friend in our sufi community and there's a sufi prayer before meals O Thou, the sustainer of our bodies, hearts, and souls, bless all that we receive, which is the beginning of this um, prayer before a meal. And her son died suddenly and unexpectedly under different circumstances. And she couldn't, I don't know if she can even still, years and years later, be able to say, bless all that we receive. Um, She couldn't sing that uh, or say it. Uh, She certainly didn't feel it. So... That's like you said. Um, uh, I think time does heal, but it but healing isn't curing or fixing. Right. Um, it's it's somehow changing us is the healing, and how could we not? Uh, certainly, you've been changed and are continually being changed by it. Even here, where you start to uh, get into your feeling that you know the depth of your feeling, where you almost start to uh, cry, or you did. Um, that that it's still very much alive. For sure, it's not like something that happened. It's something that's still happening, um, and and how beautiful that you're allowing it, uh, uh, maybe even supporting it to continue to happen. Yeah, I think that's a key word: allowing, allowing, allowing it to happen, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and when it when it needs to. Um, yeah. So uh, nature just um, was a, a a real important place for me to um, to. Uh, nourish myself uh, there's a poem here called noticing uh, goes like this I cannot start or stop the rain I am content to simply be with it when it comes sensing its impending approach through cues of sight and smell sometimes via the rumble as the water pounds the earth in the distance Individual droplets at the tips opine, wondrous globes up close, clustered constellations from afar, the swale at path's side swells, carrying away the accumulation. Then, in time, the torrent subsides, swale empties, droplets dry, sounds and smells change, joy is in the noticing. As I was reciting that, I was kind of thinking about your your place at Twin Falls, where there can be flash floods and can be sunny out, and then all of a sudden, you know, danger happens, and then where nature happens in its in its in its fury, uh, and then a few minutes later, it's calm again, and uh, joy is in the noticing and in the in the taking the breath and and looking, allowing what is around to kind of seep in inside of us. 
So then, uh, so then, how would you describe uh, how you've been changed by your son's death? Um, maybe I've become more of more of the soul that I am. Uh, maybe it has. How has that shown up? Uh, through the way in which I, I focus my time, particularly now that I'm retired. Uh, I do a lot of um, painting and service work. Um, I, my, my painting, sometimes it's, it's acrylics, um, and sometimes it's an out-of-mind experience, meaning um, that I just allow to put, I put the paints out and the canvas there and just see what happens. I have a very gifted teacher in, in Cambridge who um, kind of helps me in, at times. Um, so through my um, through my my painting and my writing, um, I spend a lot of time musing about the nature of the cosmos and uh, about the wholeness of life. Um, Bringing wholeness to life is the working title of a book, if you will, that I've been musing about for for many years now and that whole notion of um, uh, that there are all of the dualities of 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 joy and sadness and this and that um, but all of those are within the the realm of the whole so if we can um, acknowledge uh, that all of the good all of the bad um, the losses and the and the births if you will um, are all all part of what is uh, that to me brings me to a state of peace beautiful and that reminds me of the of the of the, of the buddha story that the uh, the woman whose child suddenly dies goes to the buddha and says you know bring him back to life come on you're the buddha uh, bring him back to life and the and the buddha supposedly said although i saw a great meme that said uh, the the Buddha. It was a picture of the Buddha, and he said, "I probably didn't say that," which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. But this story is: the Buddha said, "Go, go, go! Bring me a mustard seed from one home that has not experienced death in the family." And and of course, she went from house to house to house. Um, is there anybody here who, who's died in your family? And of course, every family had someone who had died at some point. And she came back to the Buddha without a mustard seed. And um, basically at that point, uh, she had this transformational experience that death uh, is very much present in the community. And she wasn't singled out by any means. And then she actually became, the story goes, a disciple of the Buddha and was awakened through that. And I think I think the, uh, the teaching of impermanence and death may be the most powerful teaching out there. Um, right up there with love itself, and certainly that that story makes sense that that could become a, and does become a path to awakening for people. Um, the yeah. fr- the fragility and preciousness of this moment and this life, yeah. and what a, what a golden opportunity to be here now. Yes, in, in spite of appearances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In addition to our house being our sanctuary, um, our yard was a sanctuary for me. I'm a, uh, a gardener, and uh, oh, yes. I, I, I love getting my hands in the soil mm-hmm. and, uh, and tending in that way. And um, 
I had, it took me several years, but I had, and this is prior to Jordan's passing, I had uh, built a, a water element in the yard. It was a little pond and it had a little waterfall and um, we're not in it. We were not in an area that had a lot of um, 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 animal, uh, animal life uh, around, um, but occasionally a frog would come and, and uh, make it its home. Uh, and this is uh, a poem called Froggy. As I sit on the curved knee wall, bounding the pond, the lone frog, tenant of his own accord, lingers in water's edge. We spot each other. Pause. He pumps his back legs, thrusting himself onto the stone shore seat. And there he sits, motionless, silent, patient. We take each other in. Ah, he intentionally takes a hop my way. Just a foot separates us. In a flash of levity from my inner early morning state, I say aloud, Jordy, is that you? I laugh. I instinctively jump to retrieve a worm from the nearby compost pile. Running back to my spot, I place the prey. Froggy is still. The worm twists. Froggy cocks his head, makes his instantaneous move, devouring the treat, brushing his mouth, resuming his statuesque pose, assuming nothing. A month later, the situation repeats to the point of my worm retrieval. Upon my return from the heap, Froggy has disappeared. I look later that day, the next two. No Froggy. I lament, sad that I had not lingered in contentment, playing, simply being with, rather than being compelled to feed, to nurture. For that time is gone, and so are you. I was going to make some joke there, but um, maybe later. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> so the the um, part of part of poetry and nature for me um, is that I write what I see. I mm-hmm. I I don't make any of it up. This literally happened. Mm-hmm. These things literally happened. Um, so I I don't take um, poetic license. Maybe a little bit, but not a lot. Uh, and there's just so much richness there that I don't, I don't have to conjure anything. It's just there. Yeah. I think I'll read a poem. This is from John Donahue. Uh, on the death of the beloved. Though we need to weep your loss, you dwell in that safe place in our hearts where no storm or night or pain can reach you. Your love was like the dawn brightening over our lives, awakening beneath the dark, a further adventure of color. The sound of your voice found for us a new music that brightened everything. Whatever you unfolded in your gaze quickened in the joy of its being. Oh, that's a great line. Mm -hmm. Whatever you unfolded in your gaze quickened in the joy of its being. You placed smiles like flowers 
on the altar of the heart, your mind always sparkled with wonder at things. Though your days here were brief, your spirit was alive, awake, complete. We look toward each other no longer from the old distance of our names. Now you dwell inside the rhythm of breath, as close to us as we are to ourselves. Wow, that's cool. That's pretty good. I hadn't read that before. But I want to come back to that line. Whatever you enfolded in your gaze, quickened in the joy of its being. Well, what that says to me is that uh, what happened in that gaze from somebody before you, something actually lit up in your being yourself, that you that someone could have that kind of effect on you to become more you mm-hmm. through their look, through their gaze, which is different than look. Gaze is different than like look, which is different than stare. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, I'm Bodie B. This is Death Tracks. I'm here with Reuven Liebhaber. Haber. So let's go on now. Um, I want to come back to uh, you and your wife navigating uh, the continuing story. Uh, you have a, you do have a son. Uh, actually, yes. you have two sons. Yes, we have, have two we, sons. we have two sons. One is with us, and one is in another on another yeah, plane. Yeah, yeah. And the son who's with us, uh, Aaron, uh, is. Uh, thriving in New York City. How, did, how would you say he did? Was He, he was the older brother? Yes. Well, let's speak to that a little mm. bit. How was that? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, at the time of Jordan's passing, um, Aaron was engaged to be married. Uh, in September, Jordan passed the end of March. And Aaron had chosen Jordan to be his best man, which was a you know beautiful thing. And um, mm-hmm. Gail and I could not imagine immediately after Jordan passed, and even kind of the weeks afterwards, of how we could bring ourselves um, to be in a place of joy around the wedding being so close um but we we did um and we were able to to rally uh and be there for Aaron and Rachel in their precious moment of 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 marriage um we are the grandparents of uh two young young ones right now Bernie and Freddie who were roughly a year and a half and two and a half Bernie and Freddie. Bernie and Freddie. Bernie. <laughs> Bernie is uh, named after my dad, uh-huh. and uh, uh-huh. Freddie's named after Frederick Douglass. <laughs> and uh, Aaron and Rachel are, are living in in Manhattan and doing their best to raise their kids in in that environment. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's where their their work is, and uh, we take Amtrak down from Boston quite frequently to to spend time with them and um, and to kind of help them in that way. Uh yeah it um it's it works it's kind of worked its worked its way through um Gail and I stayed close throughout uh and as i say the 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 grief did not have the complicated aspects that it often can have and 
I think that that was part of what enabled us to be able to um, um, purely be with each other and not have the the passing be a uh, a point of contention mm-hmm. or or mm-hmm. or regret. Mm-hmm. How 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 critically valuable that is to have a, a partner that's right there with you, and um, great support for you, and you support for her, uh, and I can only imagine how difficult it could have been for her as well. Um, nothing. There's a relationship between mom and her son uh, that we we only know somewhat peripherally about. Um, you, that's your that's the person you know the longest you heard her talking when you were in her belly and um and she knows you I should say too that um uh, Ramdas was very helpful for us um actually through your help Bodhi we were able to um have a um, um an hour and a half Skype session with him uh and um just the way the way things were um uh, one or two years before uh, Gail and I um, were with Ramdas and uh, had a chance to tell him about Jordan and his work in hospice and his work with uh, with the elderly. So there was a bit of a an, a, a relationship there, which is helpful to have the relationship prior to the um, uh, prior to the uh, to, to the need, if you will. Uh, so um, we spoke with Ramdas and. The main message from him was to uh, to be loving awareness, to be loving awareness, and uh, for Gail and I to reside in that place um, for ourselves with each other with Jordan um, was a very important um, aspect of of our um, of our coming to terms and um, growing growing through the experience, growing by means of it. Um, let's let's take a caller. Hi, uh, hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hi, this is Mary McLaughlin. How are you, Bodie? I'm well, thank you. You can make up a name just if you want to make a, be anonymous. But uh, hi, Mary. Thanks for calling in. And in fact, I oh, apologize. Oh, absolutely. Actually, interesting oh. to note. I've been getting a busy tone for about a half. Yeah, an hour our ago. thing was bro- our thing was off the hook, and I didn't know it, and I just got a note. Uh, from the office saying the phone was off the hook and uh, the phone itself wasn't off the hook but the button that needed to be pushed in to set this straight so I apologize to anyone and everyone who maybe tried to call in and especially to you because I know you tried to call in no no need for apology but I so wanted to call in you wouldn't believe the connection Bodhi I know Ruben from when I was on the east coast and wow. Nancy Barcelo too. Wow. Wow. Tell me more. Oh, Nancy Barcelo was my first volunteer, hospice volunteer mentor. What a woman. Oh, my goodness gracious. Cut from a different cloth. Always will be. It was my first time a few years ago when I started doing hospice volunteer work through the VNA and Nancy Barcelo was the VNA manager coordinator, no? Yes. Volunteer coordinator. And she mentored me mm. as she did everybody. 
Yeah. Par excellence. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I've mentored, I've done hospice work at the Tippett House, which Reuben mentioned, because that's in my hometown. Wow. That, that was my proving ground. But I cannot say enough about Nancy Barsley. And then Reuben, I heard him speak his poetry at some of the volunteer sessions they did for training. Mm-hmm. Where are you what calling? Where are you world. calling from? Where are you calling from, Mary? I'm right now. I'm on. I live in Hawaii now. I'm on big in Hawaii County, and I'm coming to your training. Great for the the death yeah. the training. I there's so many other things I could say, but I know your show is going to be closing soon, so you you probably need to get back to that. Um, well, thank you it's so much for so calling. so many pieces. It all connects. And it does. And what Ruben's saying and what he's saying about Jordan connects right back to what you were saying and about Ru- the Rumi poem that you read about how to be a lamp yep. or a lifeboat yep. Yep. or a ladder. Because Jordan and Ruben and absolutely Nancy are that. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much, Mary. you got yes, to live here in that. I hope, I hope our paths cross again yes they will and please extend my little story to Reuben and thank him and express my condolences on Jordan's passing no no he's right here you, yes, you were here. just talking to him and I, I I hope that our paths cross again me too aloha he thanks. won't remember me because I was one in a million but I remember him aloha aloha thanks for calling in Mary that was great beauteous beauteous that's cool. I love I love phone calls in there. Look, how about that? Uh, somebody calls in that knows you, right? That's it's truly amazing. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, that's the end of our time together. That's been great, Ruben. I have one very very quick one, um, which I would like to to end on, if I may. Go it's ahead. very quick, and it's called "Ever." Wherever you are, there ever we want to be. And if you are nowhere, so ever we too want not to be. To be and not to be, that is the answer. Fair enough. And I say that to Bodhi B. <laughs> <laughs> that was one E. In the, uh, uh, Reuben Liebehauer, Haber, uh, been great having you on the show. That's great stuff. Thank you, I, Bodhi. I, I knew we would get into some good territory. Thanks for all joining us. I'm Bodhi B. This is Death Tracks, February the 18th, 2020. Thanks for being with us. Blessings and love. Sure.
sound 